Welcome to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, a weekly podcast designed to educate the listener on Kentucky horse racing and handicapping. And now, here are your hosts, CC Broadus, way down upon the Swanee River, Alan Schneider, and then I'm also going to the six, Will Abled, number six. <laughs> Well, well abled. Well, uh, well abled. <laughs> and Brandon Jaggers. Well abled, still there, still there, length and a half. Just might, can't get by. Well abled. Welcome back. To episode seven of the Auxiliary Gate podcast. This is for July 4th, 2020. Happy Independence Day to everybody out there. We hope you have a, a, a good and, and fun and enjoyable weekend. And in the next 30 to 45 minutes, we're going to try to give you some winners, talk you through some, uh, some handicapping. I'm joined as always by my pals, Alan Schneider. Hey, how you doing? I'm a. Uh... Coming to you from uh, Hollywood, Florida. Getting ready to go back home tomorrow. Yeah, live, live on location for the first time ever for the for the podcast. Our budget is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're doing a lot of spending this this year. Uh, we're going to take this thing straight to the top. And we're also joined, as always, by Brandon Jaggers. Mr. Jaggers, are you there? Hey, everybody! It's uh, burning up hot in Louisville, Kentucky. That is a fact. All right, guys, uh, last weekend was Stephen Foster Saturday, and as per the norm on the big days locally, seems like the favorites win out most of the time. Tom's Detail won the Stephen Foster handicap, earning a buyer of 109, and a rag is in of two. I love this horse. You know, he's one of those kinds that uh, I always get a knot in my stomach when he runs because I've always wanted him to do well. Now, stupid me, I used more than one horse in the race. I used Owendale, who, who disappointed but uh, once again, Alan Tom's Detail came through and came through in a big way. Yeah, you know what I, I really liked about the race? I thought Miguel Maynard was catching a little bit of uh, questions going in the race. He won that race out of the gate when he got out ahead of By My Standards. He got the trip I think By My Standards wanted. He was able to uh, press Pirate's Punch and then take over at will. And uh, when he's able to get that stalking position, he drew off emphatically. And he beat a really good horse and by my stands. But that's what we've seen from Tom Zaytal. The horse just shows up three or four times a year and delivers A efforts every time. And they better watch out for him if Al Stahl can get him to the classic. And you got to give big props to Al Stahl for getting this horse uh, at, in peak form at age seven. You know, th- that's just something you never see anymore. You don't see uh, seven-year-old grade one winners on the track very often. But this guy, he's, he's probably, you know, top three, four a handicap horse uh, in the country right now. So that's uh, the big props to Stahl. Uh, 30 minutes prior to that, they ran the Fleur de Lee, and it was the return of Midnight Basu, who Steve Asmussen coined as uh, one of the probably the best horse in the world right now. But uh, the, the numbers ne- don't necessarily suggest that. She ran a buyer of 93 and a, and a ragazine of seven. So she was she was far behind Tom's data in in the, in the speed figure realm, but she did have an excuse. They did, they, they, they winged it on the front end. Sarah Guinea Empress op- opened up probably three or four links early. 
ran a 23 and a 46 going nine furlongs and, and it was kind of a stagger fest late but mid, midnight basu brandon won off fairly easily uh you got any comments on the big philly yeah well i mean definitely great came out of dubai super good form you know she gave it her all in dubai and you know i think that was her last race before she entered uh you know last saturday to run against sarah empress I, I'm still a little disappointed in Sergeant and Yepres being sent so hard and they just thought they could steal it, which, you know, that was a long race. And I mean, personally, I was disappointed to see that. And, but, uh, midnight pursuit just did her job, did a great job and looked classy doing it, especially in that field. And there is a chance now that we could see both times they Todd and midnight pursue square off in the Whitney. And that would be uh, that would be something to see. Plus, you add in uh, some of the horses from New York, like Code of Honor, uh, endorsed uh, those those types. I think I think it could be a, a really fun race going forward. Uh, Alan, who would you choose between Tom's Day Todd, Midnight Basu? Let's just assume Midnight Basu got five pounds from Tom. Uh, I'm taking Tom's Day Tall. I'm, I know Midnight Basu looked apart, but again, this also the horse that. Couldn't get by Blue Prize in the distaff last year. I think the horse is a fantastic race horse. The number came back slower than we all thought it did in the race, but I, I'm I'm just not going to go against Tom's Day Tall. I'm just not going to do it in the foreseeable future until they put her in the, put him uh, put him away. I'm I'm on Tom's Day Tall. Brandon, Tom, or Basu? Uh, I'm going to put it as a game time decision. <laughs> all right, good good <laughs> idea. Political. All right, well. Let's uh, let's turn the page to Ellis Park this weekend. Ellis Park opened on Thursday, and that's when we're recording this podcast. Uh, of course, this is one of my favorite tracks because I don't I don't get out a lot, but Ellis Ellis is uh, at the top of my list. Like I've always said, it's like it's the, it's the racetrack that I've always wanted in my backyard. Uh, and it's 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 a little different from Churchill. You're not going to get the quality horses down there, but you know we we're trying to. We've decided to maybe put together some tips and some betting angles for the meet going forward, and, and I'm going to lead it off here. I think uh, I think one of the things you you need to look at is maybe fading the Steve Asmussen runners. He's got a lot of horses nationwide, well not nationwide, but in the Midwest, and he'll he'll run a few at New York. The best will go to New York, I would assume, and I think his 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 B string will be at Ellis. So. You know, last year he ran 149 races at Ellis. He had 149 starts. He only won 24 of them for 16%. Now he's going to get his fair share of wins, but a lot of those a lot of those starts will be over bet. Uh, you know, uh, Alan, would you agree with that? I mean, that's that 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 would be my 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 number one caveat going forward in the Ellis Park meet is just you know beware of beware of over betting Steve Asmussen. Yeah, you know, you make a good point. I hadn't realized he started that many runners at, at Ellis last night. I know he won the title. Granted, he won the title. But the thing about Ellis, he, he only brings his, his, B, his B string in. He's got horses coming in from Texas, Oklahoma. And he actually claims a few of the cheaper ones and runs them for himself at, at the lower level. Those horses have a tendency to get overbet a lot. Um, the one caveat I would add to that is I think in the maiden ranks, and I saw this last year a lot, he, a lot of the horses that did not perform well first time out at Churchill uh, that ran at the track did come back to win it at inflated odds, five, six, seven, one. But outside of that angle where you bet him second time out from Kentucky, from Churchill, I would 
I would not go overboard on Steve Asmussen. Let's let's put it that way. I would I would not go crazy with him. We really won't have much to kind of sample from him on Saturday as we go through the card because he only has one entry. Oh, it's really? in the race, first race. Hmm. Now he did go. He he went over two today. Uh, one of those was a, a well bet two year old, and I think that horse finished fourth, maybe in the two year old maiden, a very weak two year old maiden. Yeah, race that. Yes, uh, and then I, he did. Um, he was off. I can't remember where he finished today with the uh, the other horse that he claimed for himself. That was early in the card, but uh, yeah, just just going forward, you know, he's going to win his share of races. Don't 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 get upset when he does win. But I'm just saying he's going to get over bet. So just watch that going forward. Uh, the next thing is, you know, the old Ellis Park, you would get a lot of the 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 five horse stable trainers. You know, the guys that. Uh, the, the lifers, they would they would win their share of, of, of races at Ellis. But now, you know, with the bigger purses, the big guns come in and, and you know, the, the horses that don't necessarily fit in their stable, they're going to drop them to the bottom. Like the, the, the Brad Coxes, Mike Makers, uh, Ron Moquets of the world, you know, the horses that just don't fit their barn anymore, they're going to drop them to the bottom. And when you get to the bottom at Ellis, you're getting to the bottom of the barrel um, you know, nickel races, 7,500 maiden claimers, races on the turf. You know, these horses are trained to be much better at, at, at higher prices. When they drop to the bottom, I've found that they generally win. Now, the problem is they win at depressed prices. You just can't, you just can't blow a, a, a lot of money on, on horizontals when, when these type of horses appear in the, in the past performances. But, you know, that's, that's a, these are the types of horses that you can key on, you know, if you want to play a, a pick four or pick five. Alan? Yes, uh, I'd agree with you there. Uh, you're going to see Moquette do that a lot. Moquette will drop his uh, maiden claimers to the bottom and win going away often. Um, you know, I, I think those are sometimes uh, you can take an alternative horse and a pick in a multi-race wager and because the public's going to gravitate to that. And for some reason, that horse doesn't show up. You can blow up that multi-race wager. Or you can just keep that horse on top in a super and uh, with a, a decent price horse underneath. And uh, we may discuss that a little bit later, as a matter of fact. Absolutely. <laughs> the, la- the last thing I want to talk about, it, every once in a while, it, it's going to happen at this meet. You will find a horse that maybe it's run one or two times, and he will bust out of the gate uh, at, at the track prior, maybe go 21, 44, and then absolutely just stop running. And then those are the type of horses that uh, they will come back to Ellis and you know maybe from an obscure trainer and that's where you that's where you cash in alan i know you you did this roughly four or five years ago there was a, and i can't remember the horse's name but it was a it was an obscure stable horse went off 30 to one came from Gulfstream, and you know he was he he, he ran 21 and one opening quarter and then just stopped he probably got beat 35 links Come, shows up at ellis for maiden 7500 and 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 yes. goes fire and I cannot remember that horse's name, but we were there that day. We were there because I, I, I singled I singled that horse at forty to one and hit and I had it in the pick four. Did not catch the pick four, but I catched the pick three. And who was that trainer? Oh, you're gonna give me some give me Donald, a few moments. Donald 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 not, Hunt. Donald, Donald Hunt. Hunt. It was Donald Hunt. So you know that's that's about as obscure as you can get on this circuit. But that that's that's what happens. You just got to be creative with your handicapping at times. Yeah. Uh, guys, you got anything else you want to add to that? Um, yeah, I tell you what, I, if, if Ellis angles don't jump out to me the way they do at Churchill and even Keeneland. 
but I do think something you want to watch for is because they've run so many maiden claimers and maiden claimers in turf sprints and even uh, turf routes, I would say, at the bottom level. You don't see that around here uh, in Kentucky until you get to Ellis. And those turf sprints, especially at the bottom level, speed wins. The horse will gotten gun, and you'll think 21, 44, and 4. This horse is too cheap to hang on, and he does. So I would definitely pay attention to blazing speed. Uh, of course, that's a relative term at that level. Uh, in, in the cheaper turf sprints, on, in, in the maiden claiming ranks, even the, the non-winner uh, ranks. good thing about that is uh, you might have a runaway speed horse, but then those horses behind them are going to tire, and you can find a decent-priced uh, closer to pick up the pieces. Because that often happens, the um, horses behind tire chasing that speedster, and someone will come on and pick up the pieces for a little super effective trifecta action. Absolutely. So that leads us to our next discussion. Speaking of horses picking off uh, pieces late, uh, we want to turn back the clock. In fact, it was almost ten years ago on July. What? 4th, I, that I forgot about that. Is this was on July fourth, two thousand ten. This was at Churchill's, an allowance optional claiming, five and a half furlongs on the turf. Mr. Schneider hit the Superfecta that day, and I'm fairly certain he didn't spend a whole lot. You want to take us through how you, uh, how yeah, you calculate? I, I, re- I remember this like it was yesterday. You, uh, you mentioned we were going to discuss this today, and I had forgotten until we just started. It was Fourth of July weekend. I think it was closing day at Churchill, uh, whatever that meet was, and I mean, I maybe 20 bucks into it. It was a maiden turf sprint. No, it was a, it was a, uh, yeah. It was allowance. Turf. It was allowance. allowance turf. You're right. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, it was only nine horses in the race and there was two horses taking a ton of money. One was Asmos in the four to five. And I can't remember who was training it, the second choice, but I remember playing the speed horse on the rail with Tom Pompel. ZI zip was the horse. ZI zip. And, uh, I thought the horse was a winner. I thought he'd go wire to wire. He did. And it, uh, kind of the way that I play Superfectus, I think other people probably do it too. I thought that horse was going to win, so I was trying to find the horse that could run second, third, or fourth behind it in that race because I was not that crazy about the favorites. And as it turned out, in a nine-horse race, you, uh, you put one horse on top, you find in that dime super, for instance, or even for a dollar, you find that horse that can run behind it. It's uh, you find the winner, put that horse second for everybody with it for third and fourth. That's only $4.20. Put that horse second, put that horse third, put that horse fourth. I got fortunate that day in the 15 to one shot that I liked to hit the board ran, I believe third, I believe third, but got chaos uh, surrounding the horse. And it was, I think it was six to one, 15 to one, 15 to one. And uh, my old buddy held a shallow and like 50 to one with Oriana Rossi, um, Caught the two favorites at the wire, and I think it paid. I was hoping, I think I had for 40 cents, I put $20 into the bet because I kind of narrowed it down a little bit. Hoping to get 4000 back. I got 10000 back. Uh, <laughs> it, just showed, it, it just showed, paid $2,500 for a dime, uh, put $20 in, and it just shows you that the Superfecta, and I firmly believe this, and you know this, DC, is probably the most underrated bet in racing. I think a lot of people pay attention to pick fours and pick fives and hit this, hit this thing in their head that uh, I just hope I catch a price. I hope I catch a price. And I, there's something fundamentally wrong with that in my mind, even though I'm guilty of it as well, too. I think if you play the superfectas, you get a lot more chaos, a lot more um, things can happen once you get these horses out of the position that people think they're going to run in. And 
that that kind of describes in a nutshell what that that ticket was that day. I think it paid fifty thousand for I don't know a dollar or something, but two dollars, uh, two dollars. Superfecta paid forty eight thousand three hundred thirty six dollars. It was the winner Zi Zip was six to one. The second horse seventeen to one. The third horse thirteen to one. Hail to Shiloh went off at the press thirty seven to one. I don't <laughs> think that horse he didn't look like much on the PPs. He he did though, like you said, he 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 buzzed around, hang you know. In several of his past races, he was fourth, fifth, sixth. You know, he was he was right there for the minor awards. Yeah. But you know, it, it just happened he connected on this day, and that kind of opened my eyes to how to how to play this wager. Um, and of course, going forward, we call this the Shiloh. What you just the, the type of wager you did you you mentioned that we call this the Shiloh. We we Shiloh a horse second, third, and fourth. Now. You you have a knack for picking these type of horses out. I initially I play it a little differently than you do. I'll pick a horse that I think is going to win, and then I will take a horse that will close from the back of the pack. Right. That'll be tenth or eleventh early, and always picks off horses, but never gets there at the end. And I try to get, and, and then I'll get that horse in third or fourth, and try to try to use as many horses as I can in the other spots. Uh, now you you have a knack for picking these uh, these crazy long shots that. Uh, that I would never consider, but they always come in for you. So you, 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 you know, obviously know what you're doing here. Now that the, uh, I found that this is the best way to play a superfecta. I don't, I don't like boxing five horses. Oh no. To me, I think you're selling yourself short as a handicapper. If you try to play a five or six horse superfecta box for a dime, because like you did with, with your wager, you, you put hail to shallow, in, in third and fourth and second in your super. But you were, by doing that and having uh, one horse on top, you're able to play that wager more than once. Yes. So if and you box. It, and you can narrow it down from there, too. You, just, you, don't have to go, you don't have to go caveman and go all, all, all. You can, and then you narrow it down from there. Right. So, you know, a, a six-horse dime superfecta box costs or $36. Okay, if you can just pick one horse on top, and in a ten-horse field, you pick one horse on top, one horse in second, and then go all all, you can hit that dime super for five dollars and sixty cents. Yes. Want to play? And if you want to play that your second horse in third, that's an extra five sixty. You want to play your third horse in fourth, that's an extra five sixty. You're you're playing uh you're playing your opinion for roughly seventeen or eighteen dollars. So to me, that's that's the way you play a superfecta. And I'm like you. This is probably the most underrated wager on uh, on any any card in any track. No in, question. As long as you can get eight horses in the field, I think that's uh, yeah. You that's uh, eight. I agree with that. Yeah, and, and if you can get a forty to one shot in third or second, you know you you get more bang for your buck that way because because uh, nobody else has that horse in in those slots. I assume there's players out there that'll play a, a heavy favorite on top, and then you'll get a five to one second and a five to one third, and then you get your forty to one shot and fourth. I, I would think those players hammer those type of tickets. Yeah. And you you don't you, you don't get near the uh, the return on your investment as as they would if they got into the second or third slot. So anyway, that, that's something we're going to uh, pay if attention I could to. Add a little something to that, uh, CC, if you don't mind. Uh, yep. The way that I would attack it, approach it just as for, for people trying to learn how to make these wages. I know we have a lot of newer listeners out here. The way I approach it, find the horses that you think can win first. Who do you think can win the race? 
ideally, if you can get to one, that's great. Sometimes it may be two, maybe three. At that point, who can you kick out of the superfecta that you think has no chance whatsoever? And if you can kick one or two out, you'd be surprised the savings you can get, the more bang for the buck you can get. From that point, you try to find the horse that can run second, third, fourth. Occasionally he wins. Trust me, it's happened to me numerous times. Um, is it he picks up the pieces? Is it a is it a speed horse that hangs on for second, third, or fourth because there's no pace in the race? Is it a second time starter and against in a race with a bunch of first time starters? You know, some of them are there's a lot of different reasons why you think a horse can get in. I hate the phrase clunk up for fourth. Horses don't clunk up for fourth. There's a reason that they get fourth. And it depends on diagnosing the race and why this horse can run in this particular pace scenario or setting. So that's kind of the approach that I take. And I know you do too. It doesn't work for everybody, but that's what I enjoy doing. The last thing I want to say about this, it's when, when I try to explain these wagers to people or, or rookies, it, they look at it like it's really complicated. It's really no, not complicated. No. Just, just the simple way is to box, box the race. I know that, but just ask, just, just, Reach out to one of us. We'll we'll explain it to you. It's not it's not as hard as you think it is. It's 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 the better way to handicap. It's a better way to bet, in my opinion. And one it, last one last thought about that: when you box uh, third, uh, you take a five horse box for a dime. That's thirty six dollars, right? You're betting against yourself three hundred and fifty nine times. <laughs> so yeah, you, it's right. actually it's twelve. But then it's yeah, twelve. Yeah, when you had six, it's thirty six for the dime. So yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, but then yeah, you, you I'm see with the point. Yeah, and that's when you can actually wait, you know, raise your base wager as well, yeah. and from a dime wheel to you know fifty 20, cent wheel. Thirty, sixty, yeah, exactly. All right. With that said, let's dive into Saturday's Ellis Park card, and this is uh, it's fairly tough to me. Nothing, nothing really stands out. So uh, let's get into it right now, though. There, I want to start with race four. This is a uh, two-year-old maiden race on the turf a lot of these are first-time starters alan uh you like anything in this spot well this is a race kind of what we were talking about where there's some horses you can toss in here there's a lot of well well-bred horses from bigger stables in this maiden turf race for two-year-olds uh, so you know the public is rightfully going to gravitate to the wesley wards the roadie brissettes um, and so on and so forth i am going to take a stab with ken mcpeak who i think uh, for walking L thoroughbreds, who same people have in Butante. Um, it, McPeak has a, does not win first out much, particularly on turf, but he does win with some of these horses he brings to Ellis. I think sometimes he conditions his uh, nice turf two-year-olds at Ellis, whether they win or he just gets them ready for Churchill, Saratoga down the road. Um, I'm willing to take a, a chance with number 10 hard strike in this field. I did a quick check of this this horse's pedigree before we came on the air. This I believe this is a half brother to Ivar, the really? Brazilian sensation that won at Churchill a few weeks ago that I did not have. You were all over him though. I was yeah. all over it, but I didn't have him, so that that hurt my feelings a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, this horse has some upside on the pedigree side, so uh, you know he's a hard spun. I, I like when McPeak pick out picks out these uh you know this horse sold for seventy five thousand at auction i i i got a feeling mcpeak liked him and the horse looked really really good on uh in the flesh uh and since then ivar has really really taken off uh especially here in america now uh i will say the the wesley ward entry 
yeah the pair they they don't have a lot on the dam side you know they're the, the they those two the colt uh the colt by see the star is the right stuff the the dam has not produced a whole lot and then the six reach for a peach is uh is a ramsey ken ramsey homebred and 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 that that mare has not produced anything so you know maybe a lot of paper tigers in this race brandon you got anything to, you want to add on on the uh the fourth the maiden special weight yeah i was kind of perusing it and wanted to listen to your all's opinions as well but you know it's it's really hard for any two-year-old to go a mile first time starting I, true you know, the four the four they spent six hundred forty three thousand dollars on you know so you got to look at some of that i like looking at price tags of things but it it doesn't mean they're going to have a winner. So, you know, I kind of looked at who had experience, maybe who sprinted first time out and now is going to race, you know, a little longer going the, uh, is it a one turn mile at Ellis? No, two turn, yeah, so two turn we're mile. Going two turn. So this I kind of like on the turf. Yeah. You know, the brew pub, uh, number seven, uh, you know, got a, got a turf start in at five and a half furlongs. Didn't show much first time out. But, you know, did improve late. It's what kind of the line said. You're getting blinkers on. You're getting some, you know, a weight concession. Uh, I don't like the morning line of three to one. It's kind of funny. You put a Wesley Ward horse at five to one. Yeah, you're right. Six, you're right. There. They paid 643000 I think you'll see Brew Pub and the ownership, PTK. I mean, they're always uh, buying a lot of horses and getting a lot of starts. It seems like I start paying attention to them more and more. Uh, and then you also have the Ramsey horse, uh, Sweet Catherine. So I'm going to kind of watch them. And I, and I really like Dallin out there, especially with Corey taking the mount, uh, going turf. I think Corey, uh, I don't know who will be leading rider uh, at Ellis this year. But, you know, it's kind of wild. I saw a little bit today as I got off work that Declan Cannon rode some really great races at some really long prices. I know that's just one day, but it, it, it happened multiple times. So, I mean, he was getting underneath underneath prices so i thought that would be kind of interesting and fun to see i will say uh yeah i, I would lean toward I, i've seen mcpeak win a lot of these over the past years you know uh, i got into it with somebody on twitter about uh, uh mcpeak usually racing him into shape but that's not necessarily the case at ellis if he's got a good one they're going to run first time out and then he's, he'll ship them to saratoga or something like that for a stakes up there so let's turn to uh Let's turn to race six. This is the first leg of the uh, late pick four. And this is a very, very, very interesting late pick four to me. This, this, this could go a lot of ways. Uh, this is a starter optional claimer for horses that have started for a nickel or, or they've started for a nickel in 2019 or 2020, or they can race for a claiming tag of $10,000 in this race. And it's a mile on turf. It's a two-turn mile. Uh, Brandon, do you have an opinion on anything in race six? Well, you know, I took the, the fact to where I want to uh, actually uh, spread in this race because, you know, it is optional claim 10,000. Uh, going one turf mile. I love turf races. I don't know how the turf, it should be pretty, pretty fast. I don't know if they got a late, a late shower. I think they got a shower today and they took some of the races off the turf. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but they did. They did. Uh, they did. Um, you know, I, the first thing I saw, you know, definitely blue steel number six at nine to two, but I, I really wanted to pay attention to something else that I thought was just a, a long time grinder, uh, with the number two lady boy, you know, 
when you look at this horse, it may not resonate much on paper, but I love coming out of Churchill Downs and you're getting a surface change. So, you know, I don't know what, what they see here. I mean, this horse has had a ton of lifetime starts, but it seems to be in great form. I'm looking for a price. The morning line on this horse is five to one. But like I said, I'm spreading, but I'm actually going to just kind of watch the tote on Lady Boy to see how I play, you know, maybe a pick three as well as a, as a double. Uh, but I think this horse is working good. It's an interesting angle. They're finally going to take turf. So, uh, well, they've had turf, but it hasn't been in a long time. So I'd like to see the form go back to turf. Uh, it, it seems like it's a, it's a fun thing. But, you know, underneath, you know, like I mentioned, Blue Steel, I also have uh, number nine as well as number 10, Chop Chop Charlie. And let me see the Chop Chop Charlie. Colbert Hernandez is a great turf rider. This horse is dropping out of a little tougher company, coming back down. Doesn't have the claim on him. So, uh, Colby, I think, just rides great great on turf. So, that's kind of my angle there, too. Okay. Uh, I will say the, the weather on Saturday is going to be hot. It's going to be 91 degrees, uh, partly cloudy, it looks like here, but uh, no, no rain in the forecast that I can see. Uh, Alan, are you spreading out here, or is there, is there a place to narrow down? Uh, this is one of those races where I would spread on one ticket and try to hit a price on an, on another ticket single. That way I can open my ticket up. Uh, I'm glad you told me about the weather there, so I will pick these races with the presumption that they will stay on turf. Uh, I'm going to take a price. Uh, I think there's a lot of speed in this race, a lot of potential speed. And Thomas Vance is over 55 this year. He's a better trainer than that. Uh, he has his best running with Corey Lannery aboard. And I'm going to try County Cork at a bit of a price, swinging the bat a little bit at 10 to 1. The horse uh, likes to close. Woke up a bit against uh, the aforementioned Laddie Boy. Uh, rallied in a second the top of the stretch. Just followed the classy Laddie Boy way down the stretch. Uh, Landry gets the best out of this horse. He times the times the move well with this one, better than the other jocks. He's taken in the winter circles twice. The horse has won on turf as well. Uh, I'm not going to sit and tell you he's going to win. I think a 10 to 1, the horse is worth the price. Uh, there's some knocks against the rest of these horses. Some are not experienced on turf, some maybe passive prime. Maybe the pace doesn't hurt. I expect County Court to maybe pick up at least a few pieces here. I'll give him a shot on the win end. Okay, Brandon, I know you got to head out here in a minute. Uh, I was going to give you a shot to uh, to handicap race seven. Uh, yeah. If that's all right. It's a, it. a 10,000 dollar claimer. Uh, three years old and upwards, which had never won three races. It's at the one and a half, the funky one mile configuration that starts on the, uh, on the first turn. Uh, Brandon, do you have anything in here that, uh, that you're absolutely in love with? Uh, nothing off, <laughs> not, not in love with, believe me. The, the, the tale of this race is you've basically got two look like heavy favorites but you've got a couple horses that may have been doing some workouts there at Ellis. So I looked at that. There's only seven horses in this field. So I, I'm depending on my pick, my pick four, if I'm going to play rock on kitten or perfect, uh, what is perfect, beam. perfect, perfect beam. But I also like the works that, of healing that that's actually been at Ellis. Uh, so I'm kind of leaning in, in those three directions. Obviously that's pretty chalky for rock on kitten and perfect beam. Uh, so that's kind of how I, I would need to go skinny here because the latter, the last two races, I'm going to do a three by four sequence. Uh, so 
uh, that's kind of where I lie. I am going to post on our Facebook page the, my pick four ticket uh, to conclude because I do have to, to sign off here tonight, as well as kind of the pick three I'm going to play at uh, Belmont. So uh, I got a great story about Spooky Channel at Belmont uh, in race 10. Uh, that delivered me a $12,000 pick four hit on, uh, I think that was January 25th. So that was Pegasus World Cup day. I was super lucky. So on the turf, obviously. So, but thank you guys. Sorry. I got to sign off early. Okay. That's okay, brother. No problem. We'll see you next, next week. You bet. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Brandon. Okay, Alan. So it's you and me and just looking at the past performances here for race seven, looks like a three horse race. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I have no strong opinion here. I would use the three Brandon mentioned. I might throw in as again, you always want to have that one. That's a bit of a separator that the rest of the public doesn't take. I might toss in half trick Miguel main, Alon Wiggins, uh, this first time Lon Wiggins, who gets a couple price horses at Ellis over the course of a meet, um, horse has some speed. Maybe he's improved him a bit. Since he's had him, uh, you know, I might toss that one in. But the three Brandon mentioned, Rock on Kitten, Healing, and Perfect Beam are the most likely ones. So I would just try to, like, hold my nose and get through the race. Well, race eight doesn't get any easier. This is a maiden special weight, five and a half furlongs on the turf. And I'm going to tell you, there's a horse that looks like a standout in here. But these races always scare me because these are the type of races that you get a uh, – you get a uh, a really obscure trainer combination, owner combination that, that uh, sends out a first-time starter that really doesn't look like much on paper, but then, you know, they've been priming this horse all summer or, yes. or something like that. That always worries me, but uh, I got a feeling I know who you're going to side with here, but uh, are, are, you, are you worried at all? Yes, um, because uh, obviously Michelle Lavelle's in a race with uh, Skyride uh, on class with the horse's uh, that this guy's been running against theoretically it's a standout to me that's it but that's theoretically first off Alex Ashard I love Michelle Alex Ashard seems like that he runs second for Lavelle all the time uh, that's not taking nothing away from him maybe that's just the way it goes but uh, it looks like if he wants to get that win for her this is his best shot uh, he's running against Echo Town Duplicity a ba- second to Banks Island who's going to be a really really good horse for Godolphin on paper, he it looks like the horse to beat in the race. But as you just said, this is a perfect example of an X-Factor race for a lot of first-timers uh, could upset the apple cart. There's a per diem with Dane Kabisky and Corey Lannery that has an excellent chance. I'd say Carlo Vacaretza, I believe I'm saying that right, comes in from Gulfstream. He, 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 had a, he heated up as the Churchill meet went along. Uh, this little guac is a half uh, the seven horse from Miguel Main and, and Baccarat is a half to a million dollar earner. Uh, so that horse worries me. Those are the two that worry me in the races is Dane Kabitsky's horse and little guac for the seven. But again, if I was trying to, um, I might take a ticket singling Michelle Lavelle and then maybe a backup ticket using those two, maybe another horse in there. So, I mean, I think she's a stand, I think he's a standout, but again, a shard has a hard time getting her horse to the winner's circle. Yeah, as of this uh, podcast, they were 0 for 36 together. I think uh, the the combination finished second in the feature race on Thursday. Yeah. 
so yeah, they are 0 for 36 together in the last calendar year, but it seems like they always get a piece. Always. Yeah. I, I would note maybe, you know, I see a horse like number five, 12 rocks. I would never use this horse, but this is the type of horse I'm worried about. Maybe this is a, this is a stone cold sprinter that they've been holding back all summer. He's never, never run before, but he's got two bullet workouts coming into this race. I, I don't know what to do with me. He, uh, Aseas Ayala, a 10 pound bug is riding the horse and they gave a thousand dollars for him about three years ago. I mean, there's absolutely nothing to suggest that this horse would run well today, but you know, that the, you see this every once in a while at Ellis. So uh, I would, I would caution you there. Um, let's go to the final race on the card. This is another maiden claimer. Uh, mile 16th, <laughs> yeah, mile 16th on the turf. And there's a lot of ways you can go here. We'll, uh, We'll go over some uh, some potential uh, sleepers in here, but uh, Alan, uh, I I get the feeling you're probably going to try to spread out here best you can. Yeah, I would take at least six here, and well, one jumps off the page at me, uh, a horse named Alan, uh, not spelled properly, so that have to include that one, right? For uh, the magic duo of Dane Kabisky and Crystal Conning, we're like six for the last ten together. Uh, that said, I mean, a horse has a little bit of chance. It's not my top pick, but uh, if nothing else, the horse has to be at least intelligent and sexy, I guess, with a name like that. So uh, funny and all, will it be fast? That I'm not sure of. Uh, all joking aside, my top pick is I'm going to go to the well one more time. You probably figured I would. James Baker can't imagine Colby Hernandez. I've, I have uh, wasted money twice in a row on this horse, and it's a tough spot, I think. They're trying to stretch out the mile on the 16th. I'm not saying I like that move. I think there's talent there. I think the horse might get the lead and just keep going. By no means am I singling. By no means uh, am I um, going to bet the house on it. But I will definitely use Can't Imagine in that spot. There's other ways to go. I think uh, Norm Cassie's horse off the claim could come rolling late. I will use the aforementioned Allen. Um, Peddler's Prize for Bill Mott and James Graham. James Graham runs exceptionally well at Ellis. And on the Ellis Park turf, that's something people need to know. James Graham really rides the Ellis Park turf, of course, well. Carmel Bay for Mike Maker. Got Robbie Alvarado on him. Ugh, that's not usually a bonus in my book. Um, and then the outside horse for Brad Cox, amended uh, by Constitution. I think I just named six horses. I'm, I want at least those six horses on my ticket. Top pick is Can't Imagine. And I would use the, uh, in addition, I would use one three uh nine eleven and twelve and still not feel confident what do you think uh yeah you you glossed over number seven food and wine this is a this is a drop down now you're not gonna get much bang for your buck here this horse is four to one on the morning line he probably will get bet dropping out maiden special weights but uh proctor does well dropping from maiden straight maidens down to maiden claiming and he does get uh, Corey landry here so you know that horse probably has a shot going back to your top pick can't imagine i just wonder maybe if, if this horse they were expecting uh maybe uh some rain i think i think the rain kind of held off a little bit i thought we were going to get rain all week i just wonder maybe they they thought this race would come off the turf and they could go to the to the dirt and, and turn back to or well he would be stretching out to a mile but this race is a mile and 16th on the turf i just wonder maybe if that was the plan here, it'd be interesting to see if they leave him in. That's a great uh, point. Great point. On the rail, a smart call. Norm Cassie does very well off claims. They claim this horse off of Gary Mary West and uh, Wayne Catalano. That's 
that's one of uh, Cassie's best angles is uh, first off the claim. So that's a horse you probably need to pay attention to. And then, like you said, uh, the maker horses on the outside. Uh, maker usually uses uh, Corrales for his uh, better stock. And then uh, Robbie Alvarado may have just picked up the mound here. So I think maybe the, the 10, Sunrise Kitten, might be the uh, the better of the, of the maker entrance. And then... The 11 horse Peddler's Pride is uh, trained by Bill Mott, and they, they're dropping down in class. Mott's won two races, I know, this week at uh, one at Indiana Downs. He knocked me out of a pick five there, and then he uh, he won the, uh, I believe, the second or the, the first race, the, the lid lifter at Ellis today. So, uh, uh, but there's a lot of ways to go in this last race. So let's uh, let's just sum up. If you're going to play the the late pick four, race six, yeah, I think we're four deep. Laddie Boy, County Court. Messiah, Blue Steel, would you add anything to that? Brandon likes uh, the 9 and the 10. So anything, uh, glad to be here is, is a weird horse. It's uh, short enough to a mile on the turf. I would use that as a B. Probably the best horse in the race. Do these conditions fit the horse? I'm not sure. It would be a B horse for me. Um, I think you probably have to include it if you wanted to use another one. Yeah. Um, I can, and then Colby Hernandez on Chop Chop Charlie. I can understand that. I think the four we mentioned would be my top four but i could definitely see those two horses yes and then in race seven i think yeah that that's where we probably want to go three or four deep here uh i think you all mentioned the two rock on kitten number three perfect beam and number seven healing and then you said uh who was the other one you mentioned here half trick is a bit of a separator just uh yeah. i think it might be miggy Mina, and they just take off from the bell and they're not caught that's that's just one of the contrarian kind of uh multi-race wager plays are you singling in race eight, Skyride? If you if you held a gun that, to my head and made me single, I would single Skyride. I mean, a lot of people be like, you're singling Alex Ashard. Um, he rides well. The guy does ride well. But I think the horse will trip out pretty well, too. He's going to take back off the rail a little bit. A couple of cheaper speeds may go. He he should get first run on the others, depending there's not a freak in the race. So, yeah, I, w- I would single Skyride. And then in the ninth, we're going to go deep, I would assume. There's a, there's a lot of ways to go here, like I said already. So, yeah. You know, you might be able to get away with a, a $50, $60 ticket here. So, you know, be careful because there's, there, there, we got a, we got a big week of racing coming up next, next week with Keeneland. So you, you want to, you want to keep a few bullets in the holster for, uh, for that meet, uh, coming up. So, but, uh, anyway, that's wrapping up for, for Ellis Park this Saturday. Uh, there's a big, big day racing at uh, Belmont too, uh, the Met Mile, which is always a great betting race. That's on, uh, I can't remember which race it is, but it features Code of Honor, Vacoma, uh, endorsed a few others. Uh, you, you like anything in there? Oh, and that race, let me see if I can find the n- number of that race for you again. Yeah, that is the ninth race at Belmont on Saturday. Uh, you're right, it's a great race. There's a lot of Really, really good horses, really accomplished horses, a couple of up-and-comers like Vacoma. Um, you know, it's it's a bit of a boring pick. I'm going to take McKenzie. McKenzie in here. Uh, the, Vacoma's the now horse, but McKenzie's been there, done that. I think the prep was just a tune-up for this race. Yeah, the, the speed figure of 100 doesn't jump off the page edge, but that, they didn't need to do any faster than that. McKenzie is... Uh, Yes, does not have the win at Belmont, but if, if anybody that watched the race last year uh, against Matoli, McKenzie was the best horse. I count that as a win. Uh, I don't think the one-turn mile is going to hurt the horse at all. I will I will take uh, McKenzie to win the Met Mile. What about you? Uh, I might lean toward Code of Honor. I know Shug, uh, he's, he's pointed for this spot, too. Uh, Code of Honor is probably one of the best horses in training. I, I would absolutely – 
die to see Code of Honor face Tom's Detail, uh, McKenzie, Midnight Basu, and the Whitney coming up in about a month. I think that would be just an excellent day of racing. So I'm I'm hoping they all they all hit the wire together here, so we can see a really really good classic here uh, shortly. But uh, that's all for now. Uh, if you want to reach out to us on Facebook, we've got a Facebook page, and if you want to find us on Twitter, uh, you can find Alan at uh, at Derby Will, and you can find me at at Dr. Shillito, D-R-S-H-I-L-L-I-T-O, and Brandon's on uh, Twitter as well, but I have no idea what his uh, handle is. Uh, Jig-jag-00, zero, zero, isn't it? Jig-jag-00, zero, zero. that's right, that's right, it, it escaped my mind, but a lot of things have done that lately, but uh, anyway, uh, we're going to sign off here. And we hope you enjoyed the pod. We'll be here next Thursday to cover a, a really, really huge day of racing at Keeneland. It's going to feature the Bluegrass Stakes and the Ashland Stakes and several other grade ones. And uh, really excited about that. And uh, until then, if you draw an outside post, it must be fate. Because you always got a shot breaking from the auxiliary gate. Pow!